1: An
2: Erio's original. Welcome to the Mother of All Shows, the podcast that takes an anthropological look at motherhood and parenting with a comedic twist. Because if we can't laugh at the hormonal sleepless nights in our puke-stained pajamas, then we're all screwed. I'm your host, Kimmy Gatewood. I'm a comedian, director, and mom. I play Stacy on Glow on Netflix. I'm absolutely in love with my four-year-old daughter, Lottie. The internet was supposed to make parenting easier, but it just turned my generation of moms into paranoid anxiety tubs. Google anything and you find out that you are the worst parent on the planet. You will kill your child if you feed them that boxed mac and cheese. And if you aren't housing your baby in a germ-free organic cotton homeopathic onesie, you better have the money to send your newborn to rehab. So I wanted to create a podcast about motherhood to call through the information and judgment and squash the anxiety and pressure that so many parents feel. each episode, I will dive into topics big and small with my friends and experts to help us navigate the procreating journey. We will laugh, we will cry, we will eat bagels. Today, we will be discussing mental health. I know nothing sounds more entertaining than a deep depression, but in all seriousness, this is an important issue. According to the maternal mental health support site, The Blue Dot Project, One in five women will suffer from a maternal mental health disorder, such as postpartum depression. One in seven will experience depression. Up to 50% of women living in poverty will suffer from maternal mental health issues. This is not fun stuff, and it doesn't only affect moms. Anxiety and depression have risen 37% in teenage girls, and less than 15% of women will receive treatment. Right now, I'm depressed. Women need support, and we do not talk about this enough. So to start us off, I'm going to speak with two of my favorite people about maternal mental health. Rebecca Johnson is a mother, actress, and writer, not to mention being my comedy partner on GLOW, and Amanda Dybert is a TV and comic book writer and mother. We have a lot in common. We each have a four-year-old child, and we love to laugh about the highs and lows that come along with doing the hardest job on earth, being comedians. Okay, and being moms, sorry. Oh, man. It's about to get crazy in here, if you know what I mean. Oh, no. Oh, no. We don't use the word crazy, I Rebecca. Yeah. yeah,
3: baby.
2: I want to read your book on mental health.
3: Yeah, baby.
2: By Rebecca Johnson. It's an audio book so, only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be also a morning DJ, just personally. Okay. Uh, oh, mental health. W... <laughs> WADD. <laughs> Welcome to W-A-D-D. <laughs> W-A-D-D. WADD. <laughs> All right. What do you think the social perception of women's mental health during and after a pregnancy? Like how is her mental health supposed to like viewed by society, I guess?
1: I mean, I feel like it's getting better. I think I feel like people are becoming more aware that things like postpartum depression are are a real thing and Mm -hmm. can happen. Mm -hmm. But I still do think that there's this expectation that because it is this amazing experience, because you're creating new life, because you have this child that more than likely you love more than anything in the universe, that it's a happy time, that it's a wonderful time, and that people tend to be more baby-focused than they are focused on the parents. Right. And so I think a lot of times it just doesn't get thought about all. There's just the assumption that you're okay unless you say you're not. And it's kind of embarrassing to say you're not.
2: Right. Sundresses, Instagram.
0: Yeah. I think mental health, it's not talked about that much. I remember after having the baby that when even I took him to his pediatrician visits they would ask like mental health questions just to make Ooh. sure which is interesting they didn't do. did they do that for you guys? No. Every I time remember. I had to like answer yeah, they might have, yeah. what if, but also what if it was just me like what if they were like oh, we think she's got some issues um, but no I had to like answer questions. You were so that twitching they were, and going oh yeah the whole yeah. time so maybe they thought something was wrong but I think that the doctor maybe maybe was doing something that like not all doctors do but it was great because she it was you know it's people bring their kids to the pediatrician but she was asking questions so that she would be able to like be alerted if you had postpartum mm. then you know it comes out it, it, that there'd be at least some care because after you have a baby
2: you really only have this six week appointment and that's it uh, for you and the baby but then the child goes in for regular checkups yeah for me
0: I just had a six week appointment like for mm-hmm. me Uh, only like for my, with my obstetrician. But there was other than that, they weren't checking to make sure that there wasn't like a a postpartum like health issue. And I don't remember too much discussion about it with the doctor leading during the pregnancy. Like it was like a
2: mentioned thing. I think there was definitely a pamphlet given to me at some point that I ignored Yeah, (laughs) at my leisure. (laughs) (laughs) She leisurely tossed it in the trash. I was like, too much paperwork. Yeah, so do you remember getting any c- questions during your pregnancy of like how your mental health was? Or was it mostly just, I mean, I remember just mostly my health questions. How you feel, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like making sure that like you're growing the right amount or whatever. Weight, blood, I don't know, mm-hmm. growing. You growing. <laughs> <laughs> Jen I is feel like, like
0: our friend group is very aware, open about mental health things. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I knew people who had postpartum. So I was sort of a little worried about it that I might have some issues because I had like a history of having depression. So I was kind of on the on edge sort of being like, is it going to happen to me? Right. Um, but in terms of uh, going to the doctor, I'm sure that was mentioned, but it's not like focused on and I wasn't in therapy at the time just to your point for especially your first child or
2: I mean even your second child you're filled with anxiety about so many mm-hmm. big life things to also be introduced to the idea that you could be massively depressed right after you have a baby which is supposed to be a joyous time it's like really mm-hmm. it's a big load to kind of carry around yeah no I mean so
1: much about pregnancy is already terrifying and so much about the first year of being a parent is so terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was pretty much terrified Mm -hmm. the entire time. (laughs) So, yeah, you're right. Adding something else to be worried about on top of it, like, I don't even know that I would have wanted to think about it too much.
2: Yes. Totally, which is why I think people don't mm-hmm. a lot of times because you're like, this is, like, I'm not feeling anything now, at least I don't think, and I don't even want to look at the sides because I don't want to welcome right. this into my life, like superstitious almost, Yeah. You know? Well, and
0: there's also, even if you don't end up having, like, the actual diagnosis of postpartum depression, I feel like there's still so much in terms of emotions going high and low. Oh, yes. Even, like, the fact that we have a mom's group, I still feel like, There's times where people are like, I feel one second like crying and the next second I'm angry and the next second I'm like overwhelmed with joy. And everyone's like... Yeah, that's normal. Like, yeah. that's normal. That's what yeah. we all go through. Mm-hmm. And so you're already having, like, sort
2: of mental health roller coaster. Right. I'm sad, but am I too sad or am I just sad right. enough? Right.
1: Like, right. Is so this many... normal or is this postpartum <laughs> depression? How do yeah, I know? Exactly. I haven't slept in a week.
2: So let's, like, I'm just going to read you guys some statistics a little bit about postpartum depression. So it's serious but treatable uh, med- medical illness involving feelings of extreme sadness, indifference and or anxiety, as well as changing uh, changes in energy, sleep, and appetite. It carries risk for mother and child. I mean, this is what we're talking about. We don't act. Like, it's so hard to know because your hormones are so insane. So, women can also experience during pregnancy peripartum depression. Refers to depression occurring during pregnancy or after childbirth. The use of the term peripartum recognizes that depression associated with having a baby often begins during pregnancy. I didn't know that. Peripartum was a, a thing. I didn't I'd never heard of peripartum depression until, like, when Jen handed me this paper.
3: Me, I knew about <laughs> it,
0: but not. I didn't know the name, but I yeah. know. I think I know about it actually because of our mom's group. Because sometimes people will start to have those. I mean, it's not quite suicidal thoughts, but it's like that extreme of thoughts, and you know, or, why am I doing this? Yeah, I've made a huge mistake. Well, and one of, of my family stuff. members, who an older generation, had postpartum before. This is kind of fucked up, actually. Mm -hmm. She had it before they ever talked about it. Mm -hmm. She ended up putting her kids in a very dangerous situation, and they gave her a partial lobotomy.
2: (gasps) Oh, my God. Now,
0: had it been this day and age... She would have, you know, she went to an, into a mental institution. And I remember growing up. And she was a fam- close family member who I loved so much. And she was always funny, but a little like quirky, but like really funny. And like, there were certain things she was extremely smart about and certain things that she just couldn't function. So she needed help, but like was one of my favorite like my favorite family members. If it happened now, she would have gone on antidepressants.
2: Right, and now we have a name for it. Can you guess the year in which postpartum depression was recognized by the psychiatric community?
3: The
0: '80s, maybe.
2: What year do you think? '80. I don't know. '85. Yes. No, I, just to, <laughs> so I just wanted to say something. That would have been amazing. No. no, no, no. It's not. What, what do you think?
1: Um, I'm going to I'm going to say late. I'm going to say
2: 2008. OK, it was 1994, wow. which is. Between I mean, so, 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 OK, Price is Right <laughs> rules. Rebecca wins.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. Great.
2: <laughs> right. But it's still like within our lifetime, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, do you want to guess the one of the first celebrities to openly talk about her, her postpartum depression? Brooke Shields. Brooke. Wait, what? <laughs> Did you look at this? No, I really? remember. Oh, 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 yes, it is. <laughs> I, remember, that's
0: why I was like, it was someone.
2: Yes. I remember it. It was Brooke Shields. Yeah. Rebecca, you
1: are winning she, this has, day. I feel like
0: she had a series where she this is a
2: about game the H1 or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 She was the first uh, celebrity to write a book about it. It was called Down Ca- Came the Rain in 2005. I believe yeah, that curious
0: was a through. controversial thing because I remember. Who who was it? There was a a newscaster who was like poo-pooing it and Brooke Shields like fought back and was like, no, this is a real thing. Like maybe Mario Lopez or someone like Mario Lopez or like Today Show host or someone who was like thinking it was just like baby blues. Like you said that Mm -hmm. you said the word baby blues. And I was like, that's so weird. It like gives me shudders or something because
2: it's so Diminishing, Right. The word baby blue sounds like maybe like a rib restaurant or something. Yeah. <laughs> or
1: like like a baby, baby. blue back
2: ribs or whatever.
1: You just put the baby down for a nap. You look out the window sadly for a moment. Because you miss them. Right. I w- I'm- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. you're so enthralled with motherhood yeah. that them being asleep is just, I don't want a nap or a shower. I just want to stare at my baby.
3: I got the baby blue, baby blue, baby blue. That's exactly yep. <laughs>
2: I had a friend who had a pretty severe case of postpartum depression, and she was kind enough to share her story. She uses stark honesty and biting humor to reduce the stigma surrounding postpartum depression. She's a stand-up comedian, activist, and postpartum depression survivor. This is my conversation with Angelina Spicer.
3: There's a picture of me that I'm going to use in my comedy special and in my documentary Mm -hmm. of when they first laid her on me. I looked terrified. (gasps) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have that beautiful, blissful moment that everyone describes on social media, like, oh my God, it's so magical beautiful. Uh social and, media is fake. Oh yeah. The lies, honey, yes. the lies. You know, and like they have on like the rouge and you know, at least lip gloss. My shits were dry and cracking. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have my eyebrows on like today. It was it was a it was a crazy situation. So then yeah, I was just feeling I'm- like Not emotional. And this was like a light switch. It was just like. Like boom. Wow. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I looked terrified. I looked terrified and checked out if you could be that at the same time. It was weird. So tell me, when did you feel like something was wrong? Luckily, I had a therapist. So I was going to therapy. Already? Was, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. I've been paying my therapist good money for yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. um, and she's great. She's wonderful. Dr. Carol Olson. I always give her a shout out because she saved my life. Dr. Olson allowed me to come to therapy with Ava. That's amazing. Bring all the shit. I brought yeah. my breast pump. I pumped my titties in her office. Yeah. She changed Jitty diapers. She burped my daughter for me. She'd hold my daughter while I sat on the couch by myself so that I just could have a moment and have some mom. new moms need that. Yeah, community support, yes. all of it. And a non judgmental ear. Mm-hmm. We need that. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that's even just, if you have to pay the, for even their if time. You, hey, yeah. I will pay, honey. Yes. No, no, you're going to yes. sit there and listen to my problems. Yeah. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> For sure. So it was Dr. Olson who diagnosed me with postpartum depression. And Dr. Olson had me admitted to a psychiatric unit. So can you tell me, walk me through that process? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a network test. I was up for a show
2: that morning. That, it... that means for not people not in the industry, like she's uh, one of the like, a few people that are about to get a part on a TV show. Yes.
3: So my anxiety was already high my husband kept telling me, we can't afford a, a, a babysitter. We can't afford a babysitter. We can't afford a babysitter. We can't afford a babysitter. No. Right. So I, which is why I was bringing Ava to my therapy appointments and my pap smear. Uh, <laughs> I brought Ava to my pap smear. I brought her everywhere. They don't remember anything. Not like. auditions. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and not yeah. a network test. No. Ava was not at my network no, test. No. <laughs> but I say all that to say that that day we had a new babysitter. Had a new babysitter and... I went, it was her first day there. Ava was eight months old. I drop her off and she's like, oh, she'll be fine with the other kids. Don't worry about her. I'll send you pictures. And I was like, no, thank you. See you later. (laughs) And I walked out, I slayed my network test and then I went to therapy. Ava was at daycare or with a babysitter and I went by myself this day. Went in this day and Dr. Olson looked at me, crazy. And she was like, so what's going on today? And I just, she was normal. I was like, yeah, you know, I just had this thing and I'm just so tired and I'm exhausted. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean. And I just started like apologizing for what I was seeing in my head. Oh my God. What was that going on in your head? Intrusive thoughts, which are very frightening thoughts mm-hmm. of, of things that make me very emotional that I'd rather not talk about in depth. Of course. If that's okay. okay. Yes. Thank you.
2: I, you're saying a lot. Thank you. You're apologizing to your therapist, and this is the first time that anything like this has ever happened to you. Yes. Your child's eight months old. And it was the first
3: time that I out loud had acknowledged, even though I didn't explicitly say what was going on, it was the first time that I had outright explicitly said anything to anyone about that.
2: Thoughts that started... The moment that you became a mother. Yeah. They were, they got increasingly worse
3: over time.
2: <sighs> yeah. It, so like, you're it, not sleeping. Right. Your body's not your own. Right. You can't fit into any of your clothes. There's milk pouring out of your fucking tits. Spraying the walls. Spraying the goddamn walls. <laughs> and you're having not into- telling, you're holding the secret where you're having these thoughts that are... Not who you are. No. And now finally you're you are you have a moment to yourself, truly.
3: And Dr. Olson said, I'm gonna do this for you. You need to check into a facility, and this is classic postpartum depression. And I'm going to call them right now and make sure that they have a bed available for you. Now,
2: did she explain, have you heard about postpartum depression when she said those words to you?
3: Ah, uh, I heard that depression after you have a baby is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I heard that from one person in those words. I had another friend tell me that she didn't connect to her baby. Mm-hmm. Those were her words. And she said it took her a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. It just takes a while. But no one ever said postpartum depression is blank or that what I had was postpartum depression. No one said that they had experienced that. They clearly said that they had symptoms of it. Symptoms, but not like outright saying that they too experienced it.
2: When people normally hear the word depression, mm-hmm. they think sad. Sad. Yes. They think like not uh, engaging with the world, like mm-hmm. recluse almost. This is not an option right. when you have a baby. Right. Um, but so it manifests in different ways.
3: Can you mm-hmm. talk about how it manifests? Yeah. Um, for me, I love what I do stand up comic and performer, creator. Like I, I, I really enjoy what I do. And I'm very proactive about my career. And I'm just proactive in general in life. I can attest to that. (laughs) So hard worker. So funny. Right. But it's like when I had Ava, I was feeling so not myself, just just constant anxiety. It was is is what it was like I would stare at the baby monitor. Like I could not sleep. I would just stare at it and make sure she wasn't moving or like the temperature wasn't too hot, that she was still breathing. So that's how the anxiety kind of manifests. Then people I, definitely we're not alone, but I know, like, right. Like it's just like is she breathing? Right. Is she breathing. Right. Is she breathing. Right. Is she breathing. Right. I finally go in to take a shower and I'm hearing phantom cries. Like, "Ah, ah." and then I get in there and she's snoring. I'm like, dang, this is about a bitch. and then fucked up the rug with the soap on the fucking carpet. What is this? You know what I'm saying? So that's one one way the anxiety manifests. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I could have a moment to myself to eat. Like I would prepare a meal and then she would need me. So I just stopped cooking for myself. I'd be like, fuck it. Did you not eat at all? I was trying. I was trying. trying, But like as soon and my mom was like, you need to make time to eat. I'm like, but if she cries, she's going to need me. You can't soothe her. My husband can't soothe her. It's just going to be me and my food is going to be cold. So I would like nibble. I mean, I'm not I don't have like an eating disorder. I've never had challenges with that in my life. And it was their intention to eat. It just the anxiety. I couldn't. I couldn't find time to do it. because you felt like you were the only one that could help your child. Thank you. Yes, exactly right. I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so it manifests that way. And because I'm a worker, I'm very proactive about my career. I figured that if I go back to work, that would help. Mm -hmm. Like, man, I haven't gone to open mic. I've had this huge major life change and I can't talk about it. I can't like get it out, you know? So, I tried to go back to doing stand-up, mm-hmm. which is a night job. Yep. And my titties are on a night job schedule, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm backstage at the comedy store and at the improv pumping my boobs. Yeah. Which, you know... Um,
2: this is going to become a surprise, mm-hmm. but stand-up comedy clubs are not very um, supportive of mothers.
3: Oh, <laughs> really? Which ones do you go to? Because the ones I go, no, I'm joking. Damn There's a nursing oh, room, right? <laughs> that smells like potpourri and plugins. No, girl, they the comedy store doesn't even have an out a working outlet. <laughs> In the green room, in the main room. You had to hand pump? or Ma'am, squeeze in the toilet, express in the toilet, because I'm like, I'm not going on stage with leaky-ass titties. I'm not going to do that. So anyway, it was just crazy. But I figured, like, okay.
2: Then you felt like suddenly the child was cringing on your career everything yes just mm-hmm.
3: my my existence yeah you know she'd scream in the car and I it gave me anxiety to drive in the car with her anywhere pulling her in and out of the car seat and, and like I could go on into the nitty-gritty because these are moms who were listening mm-hmm. so they get it but like you know in and out of the car running errands became a chore having all the shit the bags the pump the playmat, the you know extra clothing extra wipes extra this, this, this it just became so much that I was just like I can't. I'm not functioning. I'm not myself. So that's how it manifested in me, and my husband felt it. There's also a thing on the streets, not in the not in the book. Oh, on the streets, you say. <laughs> on the streets. I what think. are the moms of the streets saying? <laughs> that there's a such thing as postpartum rage. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a clinical term, boo boo, but it's a real thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, postpartum rage, where you just you're like you're so anxious, you're so worked up that you were just filled with so much rage and it's usually targeted towards your husband.
2: Right, because you're just like, carry your fucking weight. Yes, yes, can <laughs> you pick of, up something? Can yeah. you do? Can
3: you help me? Mm-hmm. But it's
2: also like the uh, PMS, right? Uh-huh. There the are hormones yeah, yeah. that come in our body that we can no longer control our emotions or keep an even keel. This is a constant wave of hormones that are, pummeling you it's like another adolescence and you can't control yourself so you need to make sure that your partner knows these things in advance and can look out for these kind of signs and not get mad they can't get wrapped up in hormones so what was it like Mm -hmm. to go to this facility you couldn't bring your child it was amazing it was you couldn't see your husband or you could you could see your you could see them i didn't care
3: you didn't care i was i felt rescued Okay, I felt relieved. I really felt like it was the right thing. You
2: were screaming, and somebody finally heard Heard, you. Yes, and they took you away, and they said, "We're
3: going to take care of you." There's nothing, and you don't have to bring the baby. Yes, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine because I couldn't. Like up until that point, I didn't feel like I could do anything for myself. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even have a meal a full meal by my or like to myself, not for my, but like to myself without the baby crawling on me or like needing to nurse at the same time I'm eating. I'm like, damn bitch. Can I keep my nutrients? Can I keep my nutrients? You know? So I felt rescued. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like right after I had the baby and I went in for my six week checkup, they were like, Oh, okay. Stitches are healed. You can fuck your husband now. See you in a year. It's almost like, um, new moms need
2: to be, given permission to set boundaries, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I do I really I'm a big proponent in making sure that they that you have childcare set up. There's no such thing as not enough money for a babysitter. I love that. I will, I will fight your husband to the yeah. death yeah. because there's always money for a babysitter. Yeah. If you can afford cable, you can get yes. rid of cable and have a babysitter because your mental health is more important than uh handmade still,
3: <laughs> right? Right, like I wish it's so funny. I wish that that's $15 someone... a month. That's
2: one hour that you could have Amen. with a babysitter, yes. You know,
3: I'm just like, why? Why? I don't, why don't people tell you that? I tell people, like, if you don't feel like you can afford childcare, mm-hmm. you cannot afford a child. So that means if you're in college. Mm-hmm. And you're not paying your own bills. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford a child because you could not afford to put that baby in childcare. You need, yeah. mm-hmm. it's critical. It was critical to my healing. Truly. Was this a case of postpartum
2: psychosis?
3: Cause no. that's a thing. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. And it is, there's a spectrum. Okay. And the beginning of the spectrum usually starts with baby blues. Okay. Again, lasts for two weeks, it usually resolves on its own. Then the next sort of level elevated level is postpartum depression mm-hmm. and postpartum anxiety. Those are, they usually couple together.
2: Okay. Postpartum they means, are
3: different things though. Very different okay. things. Anxiety. You feel like they're going to die. The house gonna die. is going to crash in, uh-huh. and, and the baby's going to die or you're going to die. And the baby's going to be lo- left alone without you. So yeah. And then uh, beyond postpartum depression mm-hmm. and postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. I had both is postpartum psychosis. Yes. And psychosis is when you hear Voices, mm-hmm. I was seeing things, seeing images, intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Postpartum psychosis, and I'm not a doctor. I'm a comedian, so... I'm just reminding people, but postpartum psychosis is when you hear voices mm-hmm. and you act on those voices. I see. So if you hear a voice telling you to stick your baby in the oven because there are aliens that are going to come and kill your baby, yeah. and you want to protect your baby from the aliens, so you put them in the oven... Yes, that's postpartum psychosis. That is a medical emergency. Yes, nine one one. Postpartum depression. You're having intrusive thoughts, and I had passive suicidal thoughts. I didn't know that that was a thing. That that had a name. I. Didn't but like, know if that a bus either. hits you, like, oh, you know, I'd be better off if a bus hit me. Maybe I, yeah, not maybe I should go out in the street and get hit by a bus. But if that happened, oh, right. Yes. So postpartum psychosis is is different. Postpartum psychosis is a definite fifty one fifty. Um, emergency. So if I had been diagnosed with postpartum psychosis, I would have been admitted to the psych unit as a 5150. But because I wasn't, I was just in general admission with the Kanye West's mental health Uh (laughs) issues. It's like college, but with room service. (laughs) I had my own room. I had my own room, my own bathroom, my own shower. Like the only weird thing was that I couldn't pump my titties by myself. Okay, so I uh-huh. but I am crazy because I was continuing to breastfeed while I was in the hospital, the psych unit. I pumped my titties every two hours so that my supply would I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I mean, whatever.
2: You know, stay connected to your child. I you know, Right. And you know, I was
3: like, it's... and breastfeeding was very important to me. I don't know why. I'm still evaluating why that was, it was that important to me. But yeah, she, she, uh, I breastfed through the hospital, through my hospital stay. Which is how long? Uh, I breastfed 20 months. But I was in the hospital, not 20 months, no. yeah, <laughs> 10 days. Okay, I was right. in the hospital okay, for 10 days. Right. Yeah. But I had to have supervised pumping sessions.
2: Did you feel like you came out of a fog at some point? Or yeah, like-
3: I did. It wasn't when I was released from the hospital. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, that's when the fog, when I realized that there was a fog there. Got it. When I got out of the hospital, I was like, whoa, what is happening? Okay. I, I see some light, but it's still hovering. Yeah. And um, I felt some light at her second birthday. That's a long time. It's a very long time. So how do you manage something like that? Postpartum
2: depression for two years?
3: Yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't say I had postpartum for two years, but I would say (laughs) that I had, um, I struggled. Mm-hmm. I struggled. It w- I wouldn't say it was postpartum depression, but it was like an ongoing thing that I was working through, how to manage my new life, how to manage being a mom, being a working mom. Cause at mm-hmm. that point, like I'm now starting to like book more shows and book stuff. Yeah. And it's like, how do you manage all of this? Yeah. So the Zoloft help. I continued seeing my therapist. Childcare was critical. Yeah. And I got me some good spanks. you know, I was like, <laughs> come on, bitch, get it together. <laughs> I would have never known or thought that I would have postpartum depression. and But the way to prepare for it, like you said, is your tribe, your support system. We need to call people to task. We need to set up. I call them the postpartum busters. <laughs> if you want to run because you had a son, mm. who you going to call? Postpartum busters. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need our postpartum busters set up before we have our babies. We need their backpacks, but they're not like fucking ghost
2: lasers. They're, you know, full lasagnas. That right. Are, you know, can be frozen. Like breast milk. Yeah. Breast can be frozen breast oh <laughs> yeah. milk. And like um, laundry soap because you're going to do the goddamn laundry. Thank you, Angelina, so much for sharing your story with us. Angelina's story is a good reminder to ask for help when you are dealing with mental health issues. You are not alone. Learn more about Angelina, her cause, and her comedy on her website, and look out for her upcoming documentary about her experience dealing with postpartum depression. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Postpartum depression is just one of the many mental health issues that women can go through. So let's revisit our panel, Rebecca and Amanda, as we discuss other ways that mental illness can affect new moms. This conversation definitely goes deeper into the baby blues. Maybe the baby navy blues? Roll the tape.
0: I didn't have like traditional like postpartum, but I found out not necessarily related to giving birth, although there was some elements of it. Like I have put PTSD from sexual assault. And so when I was pregnant, one of my biggest fears was getting the check to see how dilated I was. It was something that would cause me, I before it was ever coming down the pike, like it was, I was like 20 weeks worried about getting checked on the day I was going to give birth, like having panic attacks in the middle of the night
2: and you and didn't know you had PTSD. I did not you didn't know have I had a word
0: PTSD. I mm-hmm. just said, I'm fucked up. So mm-hmm. I just knew I was fucked up. And I knew what had happened to me when I was younger. But I just was like, oh, I'm just fucked up. I'll always be fucked up. This is just who I am. Ha ha ha. Let's make jokes about it. <laughs> and, so- and just for the record, like
2: <laughs> Rebecca and I have known each other for a long time. We talk about literally everything. We never talked about this.
0: No, I mean, I mean, you probably knew I was like, had weird issues when it came to like sex stuff. And like, also, I was extremely anxious. Even if someone was talking about giving birth, it would like make my face numb. And so I realized that, oh, all of my anxiety about getting dilation checked has to do with that feeling of being out of control and then like someone entering your body when you don't want them to. And so that was PTSD, right? But once I I got to the point where I felt like I was losing my mind, This was a couple of years ago, two years ago, and part of it had to do with the Trump administration, all the Me Too stuff coming out. Basically, I would just, what got to a breaking point, and I went to a therapist, and I explained everything, and right away, she was like, oh, you have PTSD. And I was like, oh my God, like, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that someone was naming it, and that I wasn't, she didn't just say you're fucked up. Yes, you're right, you're fucked up. Get out of my office. Go to Trader Joe's. It was
2: just down the street from Trader Joe's. Um, (laughs) And so, how like here's a check for ninety nine dollars. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Just the diagnosis alone, like, took so much pressure off of me. My doctor was really, how do I say it? She's so kind. And so, I remember saying it to her. Like, I said, I have to tell you something. Like, I'm really just scared. I'm gonna have a panic attack in labor. Like, and I was like in that mode when you're like heightened anxiety. And she's like, Who cares? You have a panic attack. It's fine. Then that's why I thought it was important mm-hmm. that I had a birth plan because they knew that mm-hmm. I had, it wasn't even about the plan. It's more like birth alert. <laughs> <Right>. Here's her <laughs> triggers are of what's going to make her freak the fuck out. Don't tell her anything about medical stuff. Don't do any dilation checks unless it's absolutely necessary. So they didn't check me until I already had an epidural. So I never felt it. So mm, I didn't have great. to have that
2: anxiety. I mean, I think the thing about mental health and having a child is that it is it brings up a lot of things for a lot of people that maybe we didn't see mm-hmm. coming. Absolutely. How did you feel? Did you have any um, postpartum depression or peripartum depression?
1: I did not have a postpartum depression, um, but I did end up in therapy within the year um, after I had my daughter and it ended up being a, a really good thing for me. And it was me, um, Similarly, in some ways, to Rebecca, dealing with things that had happened, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, all, all kinds of things. Oh,
2: my God. We're women, guys.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> yes. Statistics. No, I'm, thank you for talking about it. There are uncomfortable topics to talk about, but Rebecca and I spent the last year mm-hmm. making art about it and trying to talk to people about it. So, yes, go on.
1: I started out in therapy for something unrelated to that, but very quickly uh, started dealing with that. And then it felt really important to dive in to it and deal with it as a mother, particularly. Like, I realized, like, oh, I want to be as present and as good a mother as I can be. And so I have to get rid of my blocks and my shit and not – so that I can raise her without my
0: hangups and also so that I can be aware and there for her. I'm sure raising a girl makes you, like, that brings it up in a different way. God, yes. Yeah. For me, I'm like – how do I make him understand to respect consent? You know what I mean? Like, obviously you want them to be safe, but I feel like if I raised a girl, it would immediately have been like, boom, like in my face. Well, and that's what I wanted
1: to work through so that I could do it in a way that's healthy and good for her, Mm -hmm. but doesn't have my baggage attached to it so that I'm not like too paranoid about it or to just not think about, you know, like the, the different reactions that, that we can have to situations. Like, I want to be aware. I want her to learn about consent and her body. And then I'm a safe place for her to go to. And for me to be a safe place for her to go to, I have to have dealt with my stuff. So then um I was really glad that I started when um, when she was so young, when she was still a baby. How old was she? Do you remember? Um not very old. I mean, it was within the first year of her life, so just a few
2: months old. Okay. I, I only ask because I think a, the har- the hardest thing for new mothers is to find space for themselves. Yeah. And um, because, like, you're like, mental health is usually, like, probably 10th on the list because right. it's like, I got to go back to the gym and get my pretty baby body back, mm-hmm. and I got to get back to work, and I have to, you know... Get re like keep my relationship with my partner alive mm-hmm. and you know, please my f- take the baby on a parade to meet my family <laughs> and like mm-hmm. mental baby health. Baby parade. Like, yeah, yeah, that's baby- high on the list. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's higher than mental health. <laughs> <laughs> that is too loud for a baby, Timmy. <laughs> no wonder she never
0: slept. I uh, it was all those goddamn parades. That's what she'll be talking about in therapy.
2: <laughs> God, what I think the about parades. all the time. Yeah. The parades. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that you were able to create that space for yourself.
1: Yeah, it was um it, it it really was and it was looking back now it's something that like I I kind of wish I had done earlier but like like you were saying coming with your family um there was a lot of stigma around mental health things in my own family and around, you know, being getting help or whatever. So it was very hard for me to be okay with it. And then once I started therapy, I was like, oh, wait, this is great. Like, I suddenly understand myself better, and I can work through things and process them and talk about them and start to heal and, like, understand what things that I do now and how they're related in ways that I didn't even understand to, you know, to childhood trauma. It, uh, it's, so it's been – amazing. And I now I would recommend it, especially to new parents,
2: right? Like, it's almost something that you wish was in addition to like getting your checkups as a mom, you also have to go to therapy. And even yeah. if it's just like feeling great, like high five, at least it's like somebody checking in that's outside of mm-hmm. yourself and outside of the people who need you for other things, you know, like just yeah, having. It's a, too bad. It's a just physical. not incorporated into all
0: it's like helps you navigate.
2: Mm-hmm. you know and you don't have to do it forever here's an interesting statistic for you um only recently have uh, medical testing included equal parts men and women for a long time it was just men for everything from a certain type of cancer to any kind of sexism classic. doesn't exist guys so
0: <laughs> no. i'm not sure why you're bringing this up
2: oh <laughs> uh, you're right of course um <laughs> We're, t- we're talking about this and the reason I really wanted to talk about it is because women's mental health has not truly been uh, researched for long enough to understand and it's a new conversation and I think what we have to talk about is our own personal experiences. I mean, it's all anecdotal, but I'm hoping that the medical community will continue to catch up with what a lot of parents and women already knew for a long time, just didn't have the words for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm glad that moving the the conversation forward with mental health but let's move the conversation way back way way back during the middle ages Uh, women who exhibited melancholy um, yeah do you mind just give me a musical interlude (laughs) thank you Rebecca okay (laughs) thank you so much Um, so women who exhibited melancholy during or after childbirth were thought to be witches witches or victims of witchcraft as any other stigmatized individual might have been
3: How would you feel after
2: having a baby? (laughs) That's true. How would you feel after having a baby? You're like, I don't feel so good. They're like, you're a witch.
0: Right. You'd have to hide it
2: from everybody. But then
0: also you can't really hide it if you're having postpartum because
2: that could have, you know. I mean, this is a long time. That's from the beginning of time to 1994 that everybody was like, well,
0: you're either a witch. You're a witch or sad. Take
2: some pieces out of that brain. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Totally. Yep 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 but i mean i would have been
1: burned at the stake already and not have <laughs> had a kid because as a lesbian already which dead burns no baby but so. luckily no i can't bring it back yeah yeah.
2: so this
0: doesn't apply to amanda first
2: thing that doesn't apply to amanda so we're, all right we're in the middle ages rebecca uh, but amanda's dead already um for being a lesbian witch um how are you feeling rebecca um You're- i you De- know what? I have a, a lot witch.
0: of problems. Yeah, I'm definitely a, a witch. You're definitely yeah. a witch. I'm either a witch or someone witchcrafted me.
2: I, I think I might be alive because I have a long history of shoving my feelings down. <laughs> deep.
0: Healthy. Deep.
1: Good.
2: Mm, yeah. 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 Mm, Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'd be alive. But at least you know somebody would be at your funeral, girls. You know what I mean? <laughs> Congrats, congrats yeah. for surviving. So, well, I should say, <laughs> actually, you shouldn't um, you're, you're, you're steak burning. <laughs>
0: but if you came to our funeral, yeah. you would then also oh, be a man. witch. You'd be associating <laughs> with witches. So you'd have to actually do the burning so that you get out of it.
2: Okay, so by the 16th century, descriptions existed of a disturbance of the maternal instinct following childbirth. And most reports were focused on mothers who killed their children. Oh, Jesus Christ. Known as melancholic filicide, these deaths led physicians to increased study of postpartum Mental disorders. Oh, great. Mm. Mm. One well-known 16th century physician Costello Bronco described a case of postpartum melancholy as such: the beautiful wife of Carcinator, who glad he was beautiful, uh, yeah. glad she was beautiful. Make sure to say that. And Carcinator sounds like some kind of uh, oven maker, like yeah. uh, or um, oh, uh, right. or cancer, um, uh, who always enjoyed the best of health was attacked after childbirth by melancholy. Attack? Oh God, that's vicious. Um, and remained insane for a month, but recovered with treatment. Wow, that it was a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad she was high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for for people to look at mental health as a thing that is a physical thing that attacks you is such a strange thing, Although I guess. I think but that that's it actually it kind of
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like um sometimes like that. I think of my anxiety as like an interloper, like a per, like a voice that comes in that's not that's not like me mm-hmm. and it's helpful. To think of it as something attacking you, rather than just like you're now
2: you're fucked up. You know what I so mean? So right before I'm burning you, I was like, her, she was attacked yeah. viciously.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> <first> you have <laughs> to say she's hot. Yeah, she's oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And yes. she's oh my God. <laughs> Make sure to say how attractive. Why I do the hot girls yeah. have mental illness? <laughs> but it did take the beautiful woman for them to be like, we should uh-huh. treat this woman. Oh she's <laughs> one of the good ones. Oh
1: well, and that's what I I'm I feel very sure that that's why the word attacked was used was because right. she was attractive. Yes, yes. so there otherwise I mean,
2: that haggy witch <laughs> <laughs> the haggy witch was attacked yeah yeah we don't care yeah <laughs> yeah what's gonna be a good headline in the, the medieval post <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> though um so this is the position though bronco does not describe what type of treatment he used for the wealthy woman reports of experimental treatments began to surface over the centuries probably taking people's brains out
0: Right, or maybe, but it may be like herbal treatments too. Because, it, sure, but sure. if she was insane for a month and then right. got better, right? Like they probably didn't. They're feel like, like, look,
2: my stick soup worked. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe early uses of CBD. Who
2: knows? Yeah. Oh boy, so trendy on brand. I'll try it. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it, it's strange because, um, obviously, like it could have the treatments could have helped, or it's just the fact that they named it and like allowed it to pass like mm-hmm. the four weeks mm-hmm. or five weeks or whatever and she became normal again and they didn't like uh kill her kill her, kill her. yes kill her or burn her at the stake you know <laughs> i mean she was hot you know who would want to who wants to burn a hot girl wa-
1: right. No, no no medieval bond
2: no <laughs> what am i going to gaze upon yeah. while i'm burning my witch <laughs> oh god she was also wealthy so she was paying oh, to yeah. stay alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing has changed. If you're hot and wealthy, you're going to do okay in life. Yeah. So uh, for for the rest of us, let's just like, do, like check in with each other and like, <laughs> make sure we don't, don't get don't burned. Burn your friends. Yeah, don't burn your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Please
0: stop burning your friends. <laughs> God, like, uh, you know what? Feminism really has come a long way. <laughs> when we don't have to be, you know what? We do not have to be talking about getting burned at the stake oh my anymore. When well, we burned Stacy last week.
1: <laughs> God, I was really sad about it. Having second thoughts, she might not have been a witch.
3: <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda and Rebecca, for sharing your stories. I think... The more we talk about postpartum depression and other maternal mental health issues, the less of a stigma there will be. Women going through their own anxiety and stress will feel less alone and can help each other realize that motherhood is easier when we are all in the shit together. There are some great resources online, such as the Blue Dot Project at thebluedotproject.org. But most importantly, talk about your feelings with your doctor, therapist, partner, and friends. It is not weak or selfish to ask for help everyone experiences motherhood and parenting differently but you'd be surprised to find out how much we all have in common so next time you see a mom who's having a tough day or giving a pacifier right off the filthy ground don't hate tell her she's doing a good job we're all just a bunch of witches trying to figure this out and not get burned at the stake right I'd like to thank my guests, Rebecca Johnson, Amanda Dyberg, and Angelina Spicer. Thank you for listening to my very first podcast. Just like parenthood, we're still figuring it out. So please reach out to me through our website, motherofallshows.com. If you have any questions, thoughts, or topics you'd like to hear. This podcast is produced by Jen Perilini, written by Rebecca Johnson, music by Jerome Kurtenbach, and edited by Amanda Lund. I am proud to be a part of the Erios Network. Please subscribe, rate... And leave a comment for The Mother of All Shows on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It will really help with our visibility, like a mom with a newborn. We will have links to the topics and resources we discussed today on our website. Bye! Well, this year's Baby Parade is one for the board books, right, (laughs) Matt? Yes, Kimmy. Here comes the Springfield Daycare Marching Band. More like a crawling band. (laughs) It looks like the number two trombones got a number two in their diaper. Uh oh. (laughs) Up next, the South Pasadena Winers Club, where the theme of this year's float is solid foods. Ooh, crunchy. Erios. Powered by
3: ACAS. Hold up.